from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time, and we appreciate you hanging out with us here inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. And not only do we appreciate that, we appreciate you listening on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT and for watching live on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. Jam-packed show with four amazing guests coming up today. These four gentlemen will be joining the broadcast throughout the show. Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factories, What's Poppin', proudly tells you what's coming up every single broadcast. And we thank Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, providing 50 different flavors of kettle corn at any given time over 200 in their wheelhouse and now they have their holiday tins ready and set to go you can buy them fill them with it with whatever you want and you can come back and they are refillable you can get the towers for gifts as well so head off to mon Paz kettle corn and popcorn factory on 201 old 7th north street in liverpool new york they bring you the topics of today so we'll start with what we always do on thursday morning during the season papa joe's picks it's championship week so pj and i got a lot to talk about a lot to get through also coach hirings and firings going on so pj and i will tackle those and the new college football playoff ranking that's changed somewhat so we'll discuss that as well in hour number one. In hour number two, between 10 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, you will hear my Q&As with Luke Fickle of Cincinnati and Mike Norvell of Memphis. I got to speak with both of these coaches ahead of the 2019 American Athletic Football Championship game. This is Memphis's third in a row. Mike Norvell has been the head coach of Memphis for four seasons and this is the third time in a row he's going to the championship game. So three times in four seasons, 75% of the time, he's going to the conference championship game. This is the first one for Luke Fickle, who's in his third season with Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is doing a tremendous job once again this season. Memphis is in their first 11-win season in their history. And then after that, we'll be joined by the commissioner of that conference, someone who's no stranger to the broadcast ahead of that, He'll be talking with us and so much more about college football playoff and everything, and that is Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletics. So with all that being said, you see all these gentlemen here in our Topics Bar, proudly brought to you by Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, and we got an awesome show coming. So with that being said, Papa Joe's going to start things off. PJ, PJ, how are we doing today? Good morning, Daniel. Everything's perfect down here, bud. What's what's the weather like right now? Bring me bring me let, let us live vicariously through you. Well, it's a little it's a little chilly the last couple of days in the morning. Uh, you know, it's 48, 49, 50 in the morning, but it's getting up to the low 70s in the afternoon, so it's very pleasant this time of year. You poor uh, you poor thing. <laughs> and yeah, uh, the humidity's finally gone and uh, we can enjoy open the windows and open the garages up and let the cats run around all over the place having a good time. Well, you know, it's nice that eventually it gets into the 70s. People in central New York are looking forward to, in the middle of the day, it getting into the 40s. So your lows are our highs up here. So, <laughs> I know. And, it, and the snow the snow is just kind of packing in and hanging out. It, it fell, it's here, the sun's out, but the snow, I mean, obviously it's cold enough to keep it around. But the weather's been okay. We weathered the storm literally and figuratively, and now we're ready to weather some football. So... It's championship week, PJ. Do you like cha- – some people say there's no use for championship week. We should get rid of championship week. What are your thoughts on championship week? Well, for the, for the, main, uh, the main conferences, I think it's necessary, um, especially in the SEC where you got so many good teams uh, all vying for the championship committee and yeah. for the big bowls. Um, I want to see Georgia play LSU. I want to see Baylor play Oklahoma. You know, I want to see uh, Wisconsin play Ohio State. I want to see these games. Uh, because, frankly, when you're a coach, I think you don't start out 
to be your best in in fall practice and everything. Uh, that's why they got so many cupcakes <laughs> on these schedules. So, you know, the longer you go into the year, the better off you get. The more comfortable your quarterback is with the uh, with the offense, and more comfortable your linebackers are, are better with the defense. So I like to watch him. I want. I can't wait for him. I want to see Clemson play Virginia. I want to. I want to see him all. Actually, I may even see UAB play Florida Atlantic, which is my main man Lane Kiffin down there. I'm hoping that he's listening, and I'm hoping he gets the FSU job. And I, I wanted to ask you about that because there's been a lot of conversation going on and. Of course, I've added to that conversation with you know with uh, with the Dino Babers statement as well. You know, a statement on Dino and, and how that could make sense for him if he were to go. Brian Kelly and Notre Dame. You said that those names have come up. I actually put a poll up on Twitter to get people's thoughts on what they would like to see and what I got back so far. I want to take a look at this right here. I said, uh, Florida State Seminoles fans, who do you want to be your next head coach? And we've received uh, plenty of over 100 votes early on here. And uh, Matt Rule got 28% out of Baylor. Dino Babers got 9% out of Syracuse. James Franklin out of Penn State got 50%. Mike Leach out of Washington State got 12%. And then some people replied with theirs. Uh, One said Mike Norvell, and the other one said that he thought it would be Bob Stoops. And uh, and there was some, some pieces to that. So... What do you think about it? I mean, what's being said down there? What's in the newspaper right now? Well, there was a lot of talk last week about Kelly, uh, but he's not going to go anywhere. Uh, there's talk of, about Stoops, and they shot that down real quick. No one, frankly, has mentioned Kiffin. And Dino Babers has not been in a conversation since we plugged him a couple years, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they are talking about Fickle and, and Norrell, though. They're, they are talking about, talking about the Harlan guy from uh, Boise State. Uh, it's, it's, it's still wide open. There's not, they're saying, after we, reading the war chant yesterday, they're saying they may have a coach by the end of the week. But if that's the case, nothing's been leaked to the press. I haven't heard anything or read anything about it. Uh, so I don't know what they're trying to prove. But most of these teams, most of these guys that we talk about are already in, in, in the conference championships yeah. and bowl games. So I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't know what they're, I think there's, I think they're going to make a splash. I just can't figure out where. I, I, there's a lot of good Division Two A coaches out there and smaller Division One coaches like Harlan. You know, even though he's not Boise State's not small anymore. Uh, I, I like to see. I would like to see. I want to see someone uh, bring Florida. Although I'm a Florida guy, you know that. I, but I want to see. I want to see a coach bring Florida State's football up to the standards that they're used to. I want to see Florida State play Virginia. Play Clemson, play Virginia Tech, play them even yeah. instead of getting smothered all over the place. So you know if you got if you got a guy, Franklin, forget about him; he's not coming anywhere either. If you can get a guy down here that knows the South and can recruit, and and at least in the next couple of years, if they do find a good coach, the next couple of years, I think you'll see you'll see some changes at FSU. Well, and that's the thing is what we look at. You know, Brian Harson, like you brought up, of uh, Boise State, Mike Norvell of Memphis, who's playing in this championship game, that, and he'll be on the show today, as well as Luke Fickle of Cincinnati, who's playing in the cha- who's, you know, coaching the championship game, and he'll be on the show today as well. You know, these are guys that are brought up in a lot of places, Boston College and, and whatnot. And sometimes names are just brought up because they're good coaches. Sometimes they're brought up because, you know, somebody heard something somewhere. Sometimes people are just prognosticating and hoping, and it just seems to, and it happens to work out that way. You know, you kind of just get lucky with it or whatever. But as we sit here right now, you know, the the updates on on some of these things as we look at it is, you know, where where are these coaches going to go, and and what's going to happen, and does it make sense? I mean, you know, some of these guys were looking at the fact that you know James Franklin is a big hopeful for a lot of them. It's a hopeful in my votes. But, you know, the, these coaches are playing in big-time games, they're, or they're coaching in these games, I should say, and they have that going on right now. So some of these you can't get to in this moment in time, or you're waiting until they play their championship game, and then you're giving them a call. But I, I do want to ask you, in the midst of all this, who would, you know, out of all the names we've heard, who would make the most sense to you at Florida State? Who would you like to see there? 
Well, I think you need to, I think they need to get an offensive minded guy. Uh, I've, I've mentioned this before on the program. Uh, I like Kiffin a lot. I, I know he's a punk. I, he can act like a punk sometimes. Uh, but what he's done since he was at Alabama and FSU is he's got a brilliant mind. He's, he can see things and visualize things that most coaches can't see, which is why he can get away with winning at FNU with lesser athletes. And I, I would like to see him uh, come up there uh, because I think his offense will be explosive with the kind of athletes that Florida State has and the kind of athletes that Kiffin can recruit. And, of course, Kiffin is already in Florida, so it's, it's not, a, not a big deal for him. He knows his way around the southeast. He, uh, he Actually, he picks up the leftovers from Florida, Miami and Florida State recruiting so uh, he now if he if he gets his job like this uh he'll be able to recruit with the big boys so that's that's where i'm leaning right now i don't know if the other coaches that we've mentioned that are playing in the conference championships or even the bowl games are going to entertain the thought if fsu says they're going to try to get someone by the end of the week which is coming up real quickly uh, uh i don't know i'll probably have to check it out with my sources and see see what's going on about that but Stoops is no longer in the deal. He was never in the deal. Uh, Kelly was uh, Kelly was hopeful, but you know Kelly is a Kelly's is a, a good coach. He's been coaching for over thirty years. He's 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 good with young men. He graduates his players. You know what can you say bad about him? Except he doesn't win enough at, at Notre Dame. So I don't know what Notre Dame's going to do this year. There's still a lot of speculation about a lot of these jobs out there. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're going to see heads roll pretty soon here again. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is we start seeing these coaches, you know, lose their jobs or get fired and whatnot. One of the ones that I was very surprised of, and I want to ask your thoughts on this, Steve Adazio, who I talk about all the time, you know, he's a guy that was an assistant to Paul Pascaloni at Syracuse. Since he left Syracuse, he's never he's never broken his ties here. Once he built a bridge, he kept it. I, I appreciate people like that. That's the type of person that I am. You know, you don't burn bridges. You never know when you're going to need them again. So you always keep them up in case you got to come back on that path. You can cross it and get to where you need to go. Steve Adesio, this year, leads into 6-6. Six and six. They're bowl eligible again. I believe they've been bowl eligible for every year that Steve Adesio has been the head coach of Boston College, except for one year. So with, all, with, with knowing that this team is bowl eligible consistently, that they're bringing in talent, consistently that's doing good things and that they have hung in games with Clemson. You know, they a couple of years ago they hung with Clemson for three quarters and the fourth quarter is where it kind of blew up, but they didn't get they didn't get spanked all the way around town the whole game. They hung with them the majority of the game. They hung with Florida State a couple of years ago. What are your thoughts on Boston College firing Steve Adazio? Well, he wasn't winning enough, obviously. Uh, six and six just isn't going to get it anymore, which is why, you know, I'm critical and I will remain critical of the bowl committees. There's so many bowls that who wants to look at six and six teams play a bowl? I mean, I don't get it, but congratulations to Adazio. Uh, Adazio is another one of the Florida tree coaches. He used to coach at Florida. I think he was a defensive coordinator, I think, before he went to Temple. Uh, but he's, you know, he's nothing wrong with Adazio. He's a first class guy. Uh, you know, he tries to graduate his kids too, but, you know, he's up against it too. He's, he, he, you know, Boston College plays a tough schedule every year, and it's it's difficult to win. And if you think if he doesn't have enough, if he doesn't get the the more fours and five star athletes, they're not going to win there. I don't care who they bring in there. Uh, there's only so many stars that go around. If you want to use that term, uh, that that the big. If you look at the top ten in the recruiting rankings right now, every single one of them, from LSU all the way down to Florida, is number ten. All the big schools all have five and four stars. Yeah. And we're going to be talking next year about the same stuff. Those same teams are going to be in the same conversation that we're having right now. So, you know, for, for them to battle the uh, battle uh, with Adagio, if they didn't feel like he was the one that first and forward, good luck with finding another coach that did as well as Adagio. And that's the thing is, you know, you look at the fact that you know, there, he has gone to a bowl game or advanced to a bowl, you know, gotten the team eligible in six of his seven years. And I said that going into this season, I said it was six of seven and I corrected myself. It was five of six, but the reality was that future Dan was helping out present Dan. And I knew 
that he was going to have six or seven, I guess. So six or seven years, you're bowl eligible. If you're a coach at Syracuse and you got six or seven wins a season and you're going to a bowl game every single year except for one, then, you know, I think Syracuse fans would have been happy. I don't really know what Boston College is looking for, but I don't know if they're going to necessarily find it. And with all these other high-profile jobs out there, I don't know if they're going to get who they want. And I think Steve Adazio automatically becomes attractive to other teams out there. And if Syracuse's job was open, he's one of the first phone calls I would have made. Now, I do want to, I want to ask you about keeping in the state of Florida. We were talking about Charlie Strong and his future. He got fired from South Florida after they got blown out in their rivalry game with Central Florida, which hasn't really been a rivalry game as of late. He didn't spend that long in South Florida. He went from 10 to 7 to 4 wins in his time there. And we look at the fact that he was 4-14 and in his final 18 games. What do you think about Charlie Strong losing the job there? And what do you think about the fact that Willie Taggart, it just kind of seemingly works out that he's, he's in the state of Florida most recently. He lost his job with Florida State. He could go back to Tampa from Tallahassee. And this could all work out, and we could kind of just forget that he left and went to Oregon and Florida State. What are your thoughts on Strong's firing and the fact that Willie Taggart seemingly might have fallen right back into the job that he had? Charlie Strong is a first-class guy. Uh, he's another one of the Florida coaching trees. He was also defensive coordinator, I believe, before Adazio came in. Um, there's nothing wrong with Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong's going to find a, find a job. He just, You know, one, he had had a success at Louisville, and then from there he jumped to Texas with a big contract. Didn't work out there. Got got to sort of like a minor league team, if you want to use that team, with South Florida, and couldn't put it together. But Charlie Strong will find a, a job somewhere. I'm not so sure that Taggart is the answer. I think Taggart is, Taggart is a little bit toxic right now. I don't know if anyone's going to uh, uh, think about him or interview him for a coach. You know, his... Just because he had that success there and then he went to Oregon and didn't do too well and he goes to Florida State, didn't do too well. So I don't know what the big hoopla was about him to begin with. So I, I don't know, you know, maybe that, that was his best job he ever wanted to get. I know that Florida State, but, uh, Charlie Strong will find a, a job somewhere. Uh, I wish Charlie Strong was a defensive coordinator for Florida State if that's what you want to, but it's not going to happen hmm. probably. Yeah. Charlie Strong may even be up for that job, but. I'm not so sure that Willie Taggart is going to be uh, thought of at South Florida either. You know, and I think that it does make sense. I know that fans have been favorable to it, to the polls that we put out there, that they would be open to seeing a return of Willie Taggart to South Florida because he's the one that recruited the guys that Charlie Strong had that first year that did so well. And then when the team started to get, you know, as Charlie Strong lost those guys and as Charlie Strong was trying to build it himself the team started to go down and I think that's why we saw him get fired as he came in he inherited Willie Taggart's team and he did well and then as it got farther and farther away from Taggart he started to do less and less now the list of coaches I'm going to tell you currently and to everybody that's listening and watching inside of the Charney's menswear and tuxedo studios here on wake up call with Dan Tortora hanging out with Papa Joe every Thursday morning in hour number one. Arkansas has fired Chad Morris, who saw that the grass wasn't greener on the other side. He left SMU after three seasons. He built SMU into, I believe it was a seven-win team, went to a bowl game, and decided to leave. I was concerned that SMU, after all these years really not being good since the death penalty happened to them, I was concerned that they weren't going to be able to keep success. And Sonny Dykes changed that and and helped us to see that they can have success without Chad Morris and a team that's in double-digit wins and has had a fantastic season so far, including a win over TCU. So Sonny Dyke steps in, and SMU's good. Chad Morris leaves for the SEC and gets fired after a short amount of time. So Arkansas looking for a new coach, Boston College at Steve Adazio. He was 44-44 and 44 in seven seasons. It's a 500 coach. Again, I think Syracuse would love that. Uh, Colorado State. He got rid of Mike Bobo, who was 28 and 35 in five years. Willie Taggart, we talked about, was 9 and 12 in a year and a half. 
at Florida State. They're looking for a new guy. Uh, Mississippi got rid of Matt Luke, who's 15 and 21 in three seasons. Missouri fired Barry Odom, who's 25 and 25 in four years. New Mexico saw the resignation of Bob Davey, who is 35 and 64 in eight seasons. Old Dominion resigned uh, Bobby Wilder, 77 and 56 after 11 seasons. Only coach I've mentioned so far that's leaving a program with a winning record. And then Rutgers fired Chris Ash, who was allegedly up for the Syracuse job. He was 8-32 in less than four seasons. I don't know anybody that would want to take that job, but Greg Schiano did. He's going back to Rutgers, so we already have seen a return of somebody, like we talked about Willie Taggart. We spoke about South Florida. UNLV fired Tony Sanchez, and at Texas San Antonio fired Frank Wilson, who is 19-29 and 29 in four years. Chris Peterson stepped down in Washington, who had a winning record as well, 54-26 and 26 in six seasons. So that's what we're looking at. And Tony Sanchez was 20-40 and 40 in five years. So what are your thoughts on this? We have Arkansas, Boston College, Colorado State, Florida State, Mississippi, Missouri, New Mexico, Old Dominion, Rutgers, or what Rutgers is filled now, South Florida, UNLV, Texas, San Antonio, and Washington, what pops out to you on that list? What are your thoughts on that list? We have some SEC in there. What, ACC, what's your take on it? Well, it's a good question. Uh, as you know, it's tough to win in the SEC. And you gotta you got to at least play 500 ball for a couple of years before you can institute your, uh, your recruiting uh, profiles. But Chad Morris is a good coach, good offensive coach. He'll probably find a job, too. Uh, you mentioned... Uh, you mentioned Mike Bobo. I go back a long way with Bobo. I think Mike Bobo was a quarterback for Georgia years ago when he used to beat up on Florida. Uh, another offensive-minded coach. Uh, he'll probably land somewhere, too. Matt Lou, you know, Barry Odom, Bob Davey. Bob Davey's been around for years. And uh, Adazio, these guys are all experienced coaches. They don't, you know, it's not like they're rookies. They know what they're doing. They may have been in over their head. It's quite obvious they're in over their head. Uh, in some of these places, uh, very old Missouri was a, a big, big surprise. Uh, that's again, Missouri's somehow Missouri is south of the Mason Dixon line, <laughs> winds up in the SEC, the SEC West. I don't know what, what possessed my, uh, Missouri to even think about something like that, except maybe for monies. Uh, but Missouri's not going to win if they're in a SEC West. So, uh, you know, it, these guys are all, formidable coaches they're good in their they have their own ways of doing things they graduate their kids and they recruit well so all these gentlemen are going to find jobs somewhere including taggart you know i don't i don't know where taggart i say taggart's a little toxic now because he he didn't do well at oregon and he blew it out in florida state so someone's going to be real careful with him now yeah you know but that's you know that's what we're looking at right now is there's guys that are out there there's guys with opportunities and openings and you know, just wondering where these things are going to fall. I just think it's it's interesting to see uh, coaches that I know, like Steve Adazio, get fired because of his situ. You know, in his situation, and then Chad Morris when he left SMU and he went to the SEC, I was like, you know, th- what are you doing? I mean, you're again, you're going to be there for like what did I tell you? You're going to be there for two, three years. You're not going to win. They're going to want to get rid of you because you got to beat Alabama, you got to beat Florida, you got to beat Georgia, you got to beat Auburn, and you got to beat LSU now. So. You know, to, to take a job inside of there. And then for, you know, Chris Ash to go to Rutgers. I mean, Rutgers, Rutgers' biggest mistake that they ever made was joining the Big Ten. They were in the Big East, and they felt the need to leave and to expand their horizon. And they went to a league that they're always going to be the bottom feeder of. They're all, I mean, you got to beat Michigan. you got to beat Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Minnesota now, you know, Indiana now. To to be Rutgers is is you know one of the worst places to be in the country. When I look at coaches trying to dig a team out of a basement, and so you know Chris Ash, I, I I'm I'm a little surprised at how quickly they fired him because they should kind of know where they are and know their place currently in the Big Ten. That any coach is going to struggle there, but they think Shiano can fix it. They think that he can adjust to it. He's been a part of bad publicity you know over the years, but. They want to give him a chance to see what he can do. They're bringing him back like they brought Randy Etzel back to UConn after he was at Maryland. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. But ultimately, I think that, you know, the biggest jobs out there right now are BC, in my opinion, because you can win there. Florida State, as well as, 
you know, looking at a team like Missouri. And I think South Florida is enticing because there's no UCF fan that wants to have, I mean, yeah, you win in a blowout, that's great, but it takes a lot away from the rivalry. And I think if you talk to any, you know, true Central Florida fan, they want South Florida to be better so that rivalry actually has some merit. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see the coaching carousel, but Papa Joe, we know that these firings are coming. We know that these moments are happening. And are you surprised at how many there are? Is there less than you thought? What can you say about the amount of, of coaching vacancies at this time? Are you surprised in a good way or are you surprised in a bad way? Well, I'm surprised in a bad way because, you know, three or four of these guys are, are really first-class coaches. Uh, but for Fursciano to go back, you and I talked about this two, three weeks ago. I said, forget about everything, Rutgers, and just hire Fursciano and let him go. So yeah. they brought him in for $32 million for eight years. I guess that'll make some people happy. Yeah. So, uh Rutgers, I guess, is thinking maybe he, they could join the Big Ten because of the TV revenue that they're going to make from it. But no amount of TV revenue can make up for a, a four and eight team or a five and seven team or something like that. You know, Shiano's got his work cut out for him. He's a tough guy, a really, really tough guy. Yeah, he's rubbed some people wrong uh, a couple of places, but he's a no nonsense guy, and that's what you need at these places. I mean, you just can't be a good guy and try to uh, coach these kids because a lot of these kids. Frankly, a lot of these kids are not coachable, and uh, they're frankly they're pain in the asses. So if they, if they're if they can be coached, Shiano will do it. Well, and you know that's the thing is you take a hard nosed guy, you take a guy who takes no BS, and you put him on a team that obviously doesn't have potentially a lot. I mean, I don't know, I'm not in there, but the morale is probably down. The team's probably not feeling that great about themselves. So you bring in a guy who's not going to allow you to sit there and sulk and see what you can get out of that. I mean, I guess that there's some value to that. There's some value to being hard-nosed and a tough type of guy and a guy who's not going to accept defeat. But you're also playing in the Big Ten, and you're also playing these teams that have consistently been strong where you're trying to build up Rutgers to be something, and Rutgers hasn't been scaring anybody in a really long time. So when we hear these coaches come up for you know jobs, Josh Heupel of Central Florida has been talked about, uh, Willie Fritz of Tulane, Luke Fickle of Cincinnati, Mike Norvell of Memphis. When you hear those things, you know, every single year, that's why I talk about the American, and it's one of the reasons why I talk about them so highly, is that if they're such a bad conference and they don't have a lot of talent and they're not that good, then why are their coaches always being poached? Every single season, coaches are being asked to leave the American to join the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC, the ACC. These Power 5 conferences are desperately reaching out to these coaches, asking them to leave, and that to me is proof in the pudding of how good they are. What are your thoughts on the fact that at least four of those coaches are now being talked about around the country yet again because Josh Heupel has a connection to Missouri as their former offensive coordinator. Willie Fritz has won everywhere he's gone, and he's at Tulane right now. Luke Fickle came from Ohio State as a coordinator, defensive coordinator. And then you look at what they've done. They have 21 wins to four losses over the past couple seasons in Cincinnati. And Mike Norvell in Memphis, his worst season was eight wins, and he's got double-digit winning seasons, three straight trips to the championship game, like I said, in the conference, and the first 11-win season in Memphis history. So these coaches are being brought up yet again. What's your take on it? Well, it, frankly, these guys are making a lot of money now. Uh, three or four years ago, we had this conversation. A Fickle and, and Norvell would not be making the kind of money they are now. Now they're in the 3 to $4 million range. And that's a lot of money for a for a small conference. And uh, I, if I was them, I wouldn't go anywhere. I mean, I would stay there, I, I win with the program that I have, recruit with the program that I have, and make the three and a half for four million dollars a year. Same with rule uh, over there at uh, at Baylor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Both of those, both of those over there, they're both making good money. So why would they want to leave and go into a pressure cooker like the SEC uh, or the ACC? So I don't, I don't see. I don't see these guys moving around unless it's for ego's sake. They could go out and say, well, listen, I'm coaching at the University of Arkansas now, and I need you to come to my program. And the kid will say, well, I'm Nick Saban needs me too, so I'm going over there. So, well, you know, that's not going to work on a recruiting trail. So if these guys uh, want to challenge, certainly there will be some 
their agents can get some interviews for them out there. But if that was a small coach like these guys, yeah, that wouldn't go anywhere. Wouldn't go anywhere. Well, you know, and I agree, and I think more Mike Norvell and and I told him, you know, he he could be he could be the you know the instrument of change in the American Athletic Conference with so many coaches that have left. You know, Scott Frost has potentially seen the grass is not always greener on the other side going to Nebraska. You know, <clears throat> Chad Morris obviously got fired at Arkansas. You know, Matt Rule is finding some success leaving Temple and going to Baylor, so there are those opportunities. Jeff Collins is going to struggle a little bit at Georgia Tech to create his system when all the recruits were built for Paul Johnson's system. So, you know, I mean, these these things are going to take time, and some of these coaches don't have time on their side based on where they are coaching. So I think more Mike Norvell can be that instrument of change to be the coach that a lot of teams allegedly want and want to interview and want to bring in. And he's instead signed an extension with Memphis, stayed committed to Memphis, loves Memphis. And you're going to hear, you know, what these coaches have to say, because I talk with these coaches about it, Luke Fickle and Mike Norvell. And I look forward to hour number two, where you can hear why Memphis, why Cincinnati, why are they there? You know, what are they think about their program? So I'm excited to share that with you in just a little bit here. We are here with you inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. You're also watching on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now DT. And we have a jam-packed college football show for you today. We're continuing the conversation with Papa Joe here this morning in Championship Week and talking about the college football playoff. And so a lot to be discussed up here and a lot going on as uh, as there are you know, uh, so many different games that are going on and, and a lot of meaningful championship games, in my opinion, going on this week. So with that being said, before we get into that, I do want to take a look at the college football playoff. And the college football playoff that, that we have right now, the, the current rankings that we have for that, agree or disagree, PJ, Ohio State at 12-0 is number one, LSU at 12-0 is two, Clemson at 12-0 is three. Georgia at 11 and 1 is 4. Utah has jumped up to 5 at 11 and 1. Oklahoma is behind them at 11 and 1. Baylor jumped all the way up to 7 at 11 and 1. Wisconsin went up 4 spots after beating Minnesota at 10 and 2. Then Florida at 10 and 2 and Penn State at 10 and 2 stays where they were at number 10. That's your top 10. What are your thoughts on it? I would not put Ohio State first. I'd leave LSU there uh, until you beat them on the field. They're number one. Uh, they've been they killed everyone all all year long. They're 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 gelling right now. Uh, Coach O hasn't playing hard. You know, there's so many scenarios that, that could happen. But frankly, it all starts with Georgia L- LSU. None of the scenarios that the pundits always talk about, including me, and I have my own scenarios. But none of this is going to happen unless Georgia beats LSU. If Georgia beats LSU, those four teams will stay the same. No one's going to come in there. Utah's not going to come in. Oklahoma and Baylor, no. It's going to be LSU with one loss, Clemson undefeated, OSU undefeated, and Georgia uh, with one loss. So uh, those four will stay together if Georgia can beat LSU. Now, if what we think is going to happen is LSU is going to beat Georgia, then it opens up. That's Georgia out. you got one spot left. you got... Oh, you got Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor are all going to fight for that spot. Uh, it, I got three or four different scenarios, and it's, it's if Georgia loses to LSU, if Georgia loses to o- and Oklahoma wins, and Utah loses, and you know Georgia loses and Baylor wins, and uh, it's, it's you know it, it, there's all sorts of scenarios you can come up with. Uh, I would I wouldn't I'm not going to second guess the committee that they got a tough job, but things will narrow down after this weekend, and it's all going to come down to the Georgia LSU game. So here's the thing, and I don't disagree with you. If if Georgia beats LSU, I, I don't think you take LSU out. You can't. Clemson, more than likely, is not going to lose to Virginia. So let's say if Clemson beats Virginia and Ohio State beats Wisconsin, then you keep Ohio State, you keep Clemson. If LSU loses to Georgia, then you keep, you keep the four the way that they are, and you don't move them, and you're obviously not going to have LSU and Georgia play each other in the first round of the college football playoff you're going to have you're not going to set them up in a semi so you'll have to keep them separate which right now they are LSU would play Clemson Ohio State would play Georgia so I agree with you let's say LSU beats Georgia 
Utah. So LSU beats Georgia. Utah beats Oregon. Baylor beats Oklahoma. Do you put in Utah? Do you put in? Does Baylor have a shot? If Baylor beats Oklahoma, then do you? How do you put Baylor in? I guess is what I'm saying. Does Baylor have to beat Oklahoma? And then Utah has to lose to Oregon, who's 13th ranked right now with two losses. Is that what it does? Georgia have to lose to LSU and Utah have to lose to Oregon and Baylor have to beat Oklahoma for Baylor to get in? Or does Baylor have no shot? Baylor's got no shot. It's the, the, those, those two teams that we talked about, Utah and Oklahoma, those are the ones that are going to be volleying for that four spot. And again, this is all conjecture and all the pundits are going to say, you know, say what they want to say about the, the committees, but it all depends on Georgia and LSU. They're not going to take LSU out of the, the formula, the equation, because they've had they played such a tough schedule. They played three top ten teams. I mean, you're not going to take them out with one loss. And Georgia deserves to be there because they're the SEC champs. So we're talking about the same teams that you and I have been talking about for the last four months. But it still depends on Georgia being an LSU. The rest of these scenarios, I got to wait. Yeah, you know, and, and so, I mean, that's basically, if Georgia wins like we agreed upon, the four is going to stay the same. But if Georgia loses, Utah or Oklahoma, let's say Utah beats Oregon, let's say Oklahoma beats Baylor, let's say they both do it convincingly, who do you take? I take Utah because they're they're defensively better than Oklahoma. Uh, as, as much as I like to watch Oklahoma play football, I don't want to see a 45-42 to 42 game. Uh, this time of the year, you know, defense is going to talk. Ohio State is, as much as I hate to admit it, they've really stepped forward uh, in my mind as one of the two teams in the country that can go all the way. Uh, they, their defense is just as good as their offense. So, and LSU is the same way. So, it, it, this time of the year, defense counts, and Utah has a better defense than Oklahoma. Oklahoma can't stop anyone. Baylor's got a good defense. It just isn't enough support out there for a Baylor. It's, you know... If the Baylor played at, uh, Clemson, LSU, and Georgia, they lose all three of those games. So you know Baylor doesn't. In my equation, they don't. They don't fit. Well, you know, when we look at where where everything stands currently right now. If we look at them side by side for Utah, uh, Utah's season, they defeated BYU on the road, thirty to twelve. Uh, Northern Illinois, thirty-five to seventeen. I believe Idaho State's yes, Idaho State Bengals they defeated in, in that game thirty one to nothing. They lost to USC thirty to twenty three. They defeated Washington State and Mike Leach thirty eight to thirteen. Oregon State on the road that won that game fifty two to seven. Defeated Arizona State when they were ranked twenty one to three. Cal thirty five to nothing at Washington thirty three twenty eight. UCLA forty nine to three at Arizona thirty five to seven. Colorado forty five to fifteen. So the only team to play them close was Washington, whose coach just stepped down. Everybody else, they blew out except for their loss to USC. On Oklahoma's side, Oklahoma took it to Houston, 49-31. South Dakota, 70-14. UCLA, 48-14. Texas Tech, 55-16. Kansas, 45-20. Texas, 34-27 in a close game against a ranked team. West Virginia, 52-14. A loss to Kansas State, 48-41. Uh, defeat over Iowa State by one point, 42-41. Baylor, 34-31. TCU, 28-24. Oklahoma State ranked 34-16. So more often than not, Oklahoma's playing in these closer games, in these shootouts, and Utah has blown pretty much everybody out. So Utah does look better in that respect, including the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately, still blowing teams out. The thing that I struggle with is seeing the fact that Baylor and Oklahoma are both 11-1. and Baylor's only loss is to Oklahoma. And if they go in and they blow out Oklahoma in this matchup because they only lost 34-31 and they were winning that game all the way up till the end, if they lose this, if they win this rematch and they win it convincingly, let's say Baylor wins 34-24 or 38-12 or whatever it may be, you know, Baylor should be in the discussion, but this is where it comes to the fact that the committee isn't just about wins. It's about those other things, those other elements that people don't necessarily agree with, which is the, oh, well, we can't sell Baylor tickets. Baylor's not going to sell like Oklahoma. If Baylor blows out Oklahoma, if they win convincingly, they should be they should be in this discussion. And I think that that's where the college football playoff goes wrong is they're going to have 
merit to be in, but they're not going to get in no matter what they do. That's true. I mean, you, you make good points, and uh, I don't think that they're going to beat Oklahoma, but by the same token, they're they're certainly eligible to do that, and uh, they have, you know, Baylor just doesn't get enough exposure throughout the country. I mean, all these teams on the West Coast just don't get enough exposure. Uh, I'd like to see more teams play from the West Coast, and I'm not going to stay up to 11 o'clock at night watching them, though. So, you know, I'm glad to see USC's bringing back their help next year for an, for another year. So, you know, maybe perhaps UCLA and, and uh, Southern Cal and Washington, Washington State, Stanford, maybe they'll pick up the, the pieces a little bit next year and have a stronger conference and maybe have a chance to show the rest of the country what the conference is about. Well, Baylor's in the same situation, you know, the same situation. So they got to play Texas and Texas A&M and TCU and those kind of those kind of guys. Uh, again, not enough. They're just there's not enough candy to sell them, unfortunately. That coming from Papa Joe here this morning. We're going to take a look at the college football play or the college uh, football championship games this week after talking about the college football playoff rankings. Papa Joe and I are in agreement. Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and Georgia will move forward. If Georgia defeats LSU, Clemson takes care of business, and Ohio State, I don't know how you keep them out at this point. Even if they were to lose to Wisconsin, I don't know how you do that. Is there any threat that if Clemson lost to Virginia, that they would be taken out? No. No. uh, It's not – we spoke about this last week. It's not Dave Sweeney's fault that the rest of the ACC sucks this year. I mean, Florida State and Miami and and West – West Virginia and, uh, or I mean, Virginia Tech, you know, these usually are solid teams, but he can't be held responsible if those teams are poor. So he's, you know, blowing everyone out. That's what he's supposed to do. Uh, no, Clemson's way too powerful. They're a two time uh, champion in the last three years. You don't dare take them out. <laughs> so we're looking at the fact that it looks like Clemson's still going to have a shot, even if they lose. Ohio State, even if they lose. So really it's on, like you said, LSU and Georgia. Georgia loses. They open the door to Utah and Oklahoma or Baylor, and that's really it, in my opinion. I mean, the only teams that the only teams that really have a shot are Utah and Oklahoma. I would like to say if Baylor beat Oklahoma that they do, but what is fair and reasonable isn't always what the committee does. And outside of that, I don't think anybody else has a shot. I'm stunned that Auburn is considered the eleventh best team in the nation with a nine and three record. But it is what you know. It is what they have. At Alabama, they lost Tua. They lost two games. They are down seven and down seven spots to twelve. Uh, Memphis went up one spot because the committee was nice enough to raise them one, and Cincinnati went down one. So whatever that means is it's completely unfair and ridiculous. Navy is back in the top twenty-five at twenty-four, which is good to see. And Virginia squeaked in here at twenty-three. And uh, Appalachian State went up four spots to 21, and uh, Notre Dame is at 15 to make some notes on some of these other places. Uh, To jump into the college championship games that we have coming on here before the bowl season, I think the first bowl game this year is on December 20th. Before we get there, we have our conference championships. The first one we're going to see is the Pac-12 on Friday, December 6th on ABC at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Utah versus Oregon. Who do you have for this one? Boy, this is a tough one. I know I've been wolfing on Utah, but Herbert is such a stud, and hes they're really talking him up now to being a top-five draft, draft choice. So I'm going to like Oregon. I know they're playing in Santa Clara, California. I don't know where that is in conjunction to Oregon or Utah, but it sure ain't close to either one of them. But uh, I like I like I like Oregon to upset this game. I, Utah, you know, I struggle to deal with Utah. I, I I do. I mean, I struggle to deal with them. Oregon, I've been following them for a couple of years, mainly because of this kid. He decided last year he was going to come back for his senior year. I told myself Oregon's got a shot to win this whole thing. They can't now because they've lost. They got two games. But I like Oregon in this game. All right, you're going with Oregon. I'm going with Utah. I want the, I want them to push the committee here. So I'm going with Utah in this matchup to keep the committee on their P's and Q's and hopefully, God forbid, to make a justifiable decision and not just a decision that looks pretty or makes sense with money or whatever it may be. I, I want, I'm going to see Utah win this game and then see the committee have to make a choice if Georgia is to lose. 
Baylor and Oklahoma. We know that the Big 12 only has 10 teams, but they have a waiver that allows them to play a championship game. So what do you have for Baylor and Oklahoma? Baylor has the defense that are playing in Arlington, Texas, or so that's sort of like a home game to them. Uh, Baylor's defense could conceivably win this game, but Jalen Hurts has proved to me from his time at Alabama that he can carry his team on his shoulders, and he's got big shoulders. I like Oklahoma in this upset. You're going with the Oklahoma side. I'm going with Baylor. They know what it feels like to lose. They know what it feels like to be on the wrong side of of this situation because they gave up that lead that they had late in the game and lost by three points. I'm picking Baylor. I, Matt Rule is a guy I respect. He's a guy that obviously I, I had when he was up here at Temple every single season. I, re, I respect what he's done and who he is, and I don't think he's going to lose twice. The Sun Belt, Louisiana at Appalachian State. What do you have for this? Well, I like I like Appalachian State. I God forbid the teams are going to play one of these guys uh, in, uh, <laughs> in whoever plays Appalachian State is going to get their ass handed to them. These guys are tough. And they can score. Uh, just they're a fun team to watch. I've only watched them just some snippets for a couple of times, but they play my kind of football. I really like Appalachian State here. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Appalachian State as well. Appalachian State has has done a tremendous job outside of the American. They're the team that really has has given me the most. I mean, Boise State as well. But uh, you know, outside of the American Athletic, I like Appalachian State. And with the American having 11 teams moving forward, App State could be one of those teams to call to bring in. I thought Buffalo makes a lot of sense across the board, but they could also call for Appalachian State as well. Miami of Ohio at Central Michigan. This game, my guy was going to be here, and he had an opportunity. Western Michigan, Tim Lester, the head coach there, had a chance to play in the MAC championship. They lost, and they needed Toledo to win. Toledo did not. So Miami of Ohio is going up against Central Michigan in the MAC championship. Who do you have for this? Well, my, Miami seven and five, Central Michigan eight and four. They're playing in Detroit. That's kind of a home game for Central Michigan. I think Central Michigan wins this going away. Yeah, I'm going to go with Central Michigan in this one too. I've had the opportunity and the privilege to see Central Michigan over uh, the past few years because they've because they played Syracuse. And so, you know, to be able to see their talent and what they've been able to do, and I respect the MAC, I really do. And uh, and so, for me, I would like to. I'm going to see uh, Central Michigan win this game, Miami of Ohio. I mean, congratulations for getting there. But I think we're going to see Central Michigan take care of this one. I think if Western Michigan had gotten in with my guy Tim Lester, then I would have picked them as well. I I would have gone with that side of things this season, you know, that that division as opposed to the other. So I'm going with Central Michigan as well in this game. Next one. I believe Central Michigan's coached by Jim McElwain. Used to be in Florida, right? Yes, Jim McElwain's over there, yep. Let's see what he does. UAB, this is the one that you said you're going to watch, Conference USA, UAB at FAU. Lane Kiffin hosting the championship game for Conference USA. What do you have for this? Well, he's going to have all the bells and whistles on for this one. He's going to be throwing the ball and pitching the ball all over the place. I like FSU uh, FAU in this game. You know, UAB is a team that canceled their program and then decided to bring it back after an upheaval of just being gone for a year. And when they brought that program back, they not only got wins, they went to a bowl game, double-digit wins, fantastic this year as well. PJ's going with FAU. I'm going with UAB. Ever since UAB went through that turmoil and that kind of that self-inflicted wound, they came back striking. And what team cancels their football program and then comes back with the fiery Phoenix rising that they had? So I'm always going to be a closet fan for UAB, let's say. Cincinnati. There's a little, yeah, little sidelight here about losing programs. We just found out yesterday down here in Florida that uh, Jacksonville University just just shut down their football program after 24 years or something like that. Uh, so, you know, you, you realize how expensive it costs to run these programs when small programs like Jacks can't keep up because they're a private school and yeah. they don't have enough money coming in. So now all these kids that have uh, that are on the roster, almost a hundred of them, just like normal uh, football team, all these kids are going to be looking for a place to play. So. I'm real sad to see about Jacksonville losing our program. 
and let's send our best to the families and to the players that they find the next fit and that they realize that God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. So my hope that they each find a home and that they get to continue their careers. It's not their fault for what happened. This is out of their control. And now what they can control is where they go from here and how they move forward. So I give my best to Jacksonville U and to all the players and the families, the coaches, and everybody involved in the athletic department that has to move forward from this tough decision. Cincinnati at Memphis. Speaking of tough decisions, what do you have for this one? This is tough. Somehow, Cincinnati is getting ten points in this game. I don't know how the I don't know how the gamers can come up with that, but. You know, this this is a pick'em game to me. I mean, after watching them last week, I mean, there's not too much difference between these guys, uh, except that you know Memphis is playing at home. I guess you call it that. And Memphis, I look for Memphis could be a hell of a game to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I look for Memphis winning. Yeah, I got Memphis in this one. Memphis. Here's the thing: Memphis was overshadowed by the behemoth that UCF was for those last two these last two seasons going into this season, and still good this season. But these, you know, last couple of years where they went 25-0 and 0 be, 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 uh, before losing their bowl game to LSU. And when you look at that, you, you don't pay attention to the fact that UCF hosted the last two championship games for the American Athletic. But who are they hosting? Memphis. And UCF was two years in a row. Memphis, even though they lost the last two seasons, they're three years in a row. Out of the American being around for a little over six years, Memphis is the only team in the history of the American Athletic Conference to advance to not not only advance to three different American Athletic Championship games, but to do it in back-to-back-to-back seasons. So they, even more so than UCF, are the team to beat in the conference championship game, and that's been overshadowed by UCF, but not anymore, as I believe that Memphis will win this game, which I will be at in Memphis, Tennessee, my first trip to Memphis, and a city that is known for their music, and uh, and hopefully I'm looking forward to a great experience and a great trip there. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. I've been spoiled by the last two of them with UCF and Memphis, and I hope that Cincinnati and Memphis does not disappoint. I think it'll be magical and amazing. Could be an overtime game. I've seen those before. And ultimately, I'm going to go with Memphis. But this is one of the best games you're going to see on television. And I, I, I hope that you watch it on ABC at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Georgia, LSU, 4 p.m. on CBS. What do you have? This is the whole ball of wax. This is all the deal. Everything, all the dominoes are going to fall after this game. Uh, it, this is This is... This is as hard a hitting game, Daniel, as you're ever going to see. If, I know that I've said this before. You, your, your listeners probably are sick of it, but you want to see a, and listen to a hard hitting game. Watch these two teams. Um, I don't think that Georgia's got the manpower to stay up with LSU's offense. Uh, LSU's got to tighten it up in defense here. Uh, Fromm is not having a good season for Georgia. I'm mean, not a not a great season. He's got a good season, but I think uh, Joe Burrow and the boys uh, are going to run run wild on this one and. Coach O is going to be celebrating. Yeah, I, I'm going. I'm going with LSU in this one. I think Georgia, when they lose, it's going to open things up, and it's definitely going to open up the door for a team like Utah. I would like to say Baylor or Oklahoma. So we know that that's that's going to happen if a Georgia loses this game, and I think that they're gonna. LSU has been underestimated and underappreciated. Ohio State took over first place in the committee's mind, and I don't know why. Because Ohio State's a very good team, but LSU is extremely dangerous. And Ed Ogeron, who would have thought that this guy who took over when they <clears throat> when they fired Les Miles was going to be able to bring them where they are right now? Who would have thought that of all coaches, he would bring them to the top? I don't think there was a lot of prognostication <clears throat> that he was even going to stay there after being the interim head coach. So I have all the appreciation in the world for Coach O. He used to be connected to Syracuse. And he has absolutely been fantastic. I'm rooting for him. I'm hoping for him. Georgia, I respect the hell out of you. I've respected you the last couple of years. I don't think you're going to get it done. LSU is too strong, and they're going to let you know it, and they're going to let the world know it. And if they beat Georgia, could we please put them back at number one where they belong? The, the Mountain West, we have Hawaii and Boise State. What do you have for this one? I was looking at this game. Hawaii's no slouch. I mean, they uh... – they throw the ball all over the place too, but Boise State, ever since the days of Chris Peterson, 
have have been the star that shines in the bowl season. I remember when they beat, I think they beat Auburn or Oklahoma or something like that on a couple of years in a row. And uh, they just beat up on big guys. Uh, Boise State's not going to lose this game. And hopefully the rest of the nation will be able to see Boise State in a good bowl. Yeah, you know, Boise State to me is is going to be <clears throat> is going to be the team that's going to win this game. I mean, uh, boy, no offense to Hawaii. Hawaii is underestimated, underappreciated. Uh, I feel like they're not <clears throat> paid attention to, and they should be. You know, this is a team. First of all, this the state of Hawaii brings together a lot of talent and a lot of strong coaches. Coaches like Kenny Amatsololo. So uh, I'm excited to see this game. I hope Hawaii makes it interesting. And ultimately, I'm giving the victory to Boise State because of what Boise State is and what they've become. And, you know, Boise State, before teams like UCF and whatnot started winning and winning consistently, we were looking at teams like Boise State who were given a share of the national championship, but they weren't allowed to play in it, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. And so Boise State knows what it feels like to be underappreciated. And I think that they're going to continue to win. They're going to continue to push the term. And they're a team that I would not want to see in a bowl game this year. Virginia Clemson in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Carolina Panthers Stadium. Probably the best game the Carolina Panthers fans are going to see for the rest of the year. What do you think about this one? (laughs) Right about that. Um, Brockman and the boys are going to try to make a big upset here. But, you know, Debo Sweeney's been hitting the press here this week about talking about how his team is underappreciated and they don't like him and they don't want him anywhere. And, you know, he's just doing a little try thing, you know, and it's, it's not going to make any difference. I think that, uh, I think that Clemson wins the game handily, but, uh, the Brackleman has got Virginia uh, a long way, uh, and they're, they, they deserve to play in this game. They're just not in the same league as Clemson. That's all. I'm very proud of the fact that I, I picked this before the season started. I picked, Virginia and Clemson in the in the ACC championship game so I feel good that this prediction came through and this will be one of you know one of Clemson's short list of quality wins this season but if they beat a team like Virginia then they definitely I mean the committee's seen what they need to see and they respect Clemson because of history which I don't agree I think you have to look at year by year but when we look at this situation, if they defeat Virginia, when they defeat Virginia, if that is to happen, then Clemson has definitely shown themselves because the Coastal Division had a strong Virginia and a Virginia Tech team this year. And if Clemson wins this game, then they've obviously stated what they need to state. Ohio State against Wisconsin. Thoughts on this one, PJ, PJ, as the Big Ten will be the final game that we see on championship week. Oh, my brother Paul's in Wisconsin. Can't wait for this game, boy. Walker's going to be watching this game forever. Uh, this, this is this is going to be a tough game. I, I think Wisconsin plays himself. Ohio State just has too many weapons. They're just offensive, defense-wide. They're really an intimidating team. Never thought that you would ever hear me say that because I don't can't stand Ohio State, but they are. They've made me realize that and they are an exceptional team. Uh Actually, the first three teams that we talk about every year is LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State. They all are just formidable. I mean, they're just dangerous teams to play in. It'd be a shame to uh, to let Wisconsin go go the same route as the other teams, but they will. Uh, Wisconsin's got one shot in this game, and that's to hold the ball. And if they can run the ball with Taylor, uh, he's going to get his 2,000 yards. Wisconsin likes to... Likes to do the three yards and a cloud of dust kind of thing. If they can hold on to the ball, maybe make it close, they got a shot. But uh, if, if the fields gets loose and some of the guys get down the field, it's going to be a long afternoon. With that being said, brother-in-law's going to shoot me, but <laughs> I'm going to take Ohio State. Yeah, you got to take Ohio State in this game. I got an email about Jonathan Taylor and <clears throat> and the uh, hopes and the aspirations that He'll get the votes he needs to be recognized this year. I don't think he'll have any trouble with doing something like that. But Wisconsin, as much as I respect them, and they got that victory over Minnesota, which you know obviously put a nail in the coffin for Minnesota that the committee wasn't going to let in anyways. But Wisconsin getting back here, it's just kind of funny how this happens as we talk about Ohio State, Penn State, and Minnesota all year long. And then Wisconsin's the team that ends up playing in the Big Ten Championship against Ohio State. I got Ohio State in this game. Ohio State's been fantastic. You know, they get rid of Tate Martell, and, and what happens with Tate? A whole lot of nothing. 
and they bring in Justin Fields and they're 12-0. and So they obviously made the right decision. They're doing what they need to do. Ohio State is a pain in the butt to play. I think this might be the most dangerous Ohio State team we've seen in a while. And I think that the cha- I think that the national championship this year is going to be LSU Ohio State to be honest so we can finally end the argument of who's better and with that being said Ohio State's going to win this game and they're going to set their sights on the college football playoffs so I have Ohio State as well and PJ we have gone through the whole thing I have I have one one more thing to uh, to ask you here and I know that this might be one that that touches a, a little heartstring here maybe Maybe hits a nerve. I hope it doesn't, but I know that we got to talk about it. Felipe Frank said he's either going to the NFL or he's going to another team. What are your thoughts on him deciding to leave Florida? Well, I, I figured that figured after he got hurt, he would rehab and probably take this. If if um, uh, Trask wasn't have this kind of season he's having, he would probably vacillate and try to come back. But Felipe Franks is a big, strong guy, six six, two thirty, big arm. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think he'll probably be drafted in the first four rounds. Uh, I, I'm thinking, I'm leaning toward him going to the draft, but it would surprise me he goes to another team. It won't be an SEC team, that's for sure. I'll guarantee you that. So it, I wish him luck. I, I, it doesn't surprise me, and I'd like to see him go into the draft and not play again. Yeah, Felipe Franks moving on from Florida, PJ's team, and Alba Monitor. Papa Joe, I will see you in just a couple days. We'll have an early Christmas celebration. In the meantime, Keep it warm down there for me in Florida. Give my best to the family and to Miss Mary T, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Okay, see you soon. Bye. Take, Take care.